There's a new name in the newspaper, and here on Scribble. Welcome to Scribble, 30 minutes of conversation, comments, and reviews on reading and writing, editing, publishing, and selling books. I'm Rebecca Wee. And I'm Don Wooten. Tom Martin recently joined the Quad City Newspapers as executive editor. We'll meet him on Scribble. Well... How do you like your job? <laughs> uh, I like my job. I'm still getting getting settled in. I started uh, right at the end of November, um, and uh, December went by very fast. I'm just kind of learning the the people, the systems, uh, and the Quad Cities. I'm uh, was the editor of the Galesburg Register Mail for uh, quite some time, 19 years. So. Oh. Um, I've, I've, I've known of the Quad Cities, but I haven't spent a lot of time here, so I'm, I've got a lot to learn. Uh, executive editor sounds like somebody with a lot of power. <laughs> what exactly do you do? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really responsible for uh, the vision of the newsroom. Um, contrary to what uh, some people might think, I, I'm not in charge of delivery or... Um, those kinds of things, I'll, I'll try to help uh, people get to the circulation department if they're having trouble uh, getting their newspaper to their door. Um, but uh, but I'm uh, sort of in charge of everything news um, for the Quad City Times and Dispatch Argus. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds like a commanding role. Yeah. Uh, when you say you're in charge, I mean... Do you hire and fire? Do you edit copy? Do you what do you do? Yeah, yeah, uh, hire and fire, uh, like recruit uh, talent, that sort of thing. Although you know, there's a a lot of talent already in that newsroom, um, so I haven't put those skills of mine to work yet. Uh, but yeah, and then uh, in terms of uh, copy editing, I've got good copy editors there. Um, I do jump in from time to time, uh, especially with a sensitive story or a story that we're all real excited about. Um, I, I do spend um, probably probably the time that I spend now is um, writing headlines for the web to try to uh, the old print headlines don't really work uh, online as well. And so um, and, and I think I one of my expertises or one of my skills is digital. And so uh, I'm trying to kind of move the newspaper forward um, digitally to reach that uh, digital audience. The wave of the future, I'm afraid. <laughs> yes. Yes, it, it is. I mean, we want uh, specifically, uh, we want content. I want content um, developed in that newsroom uh, that reaches print and digital. Um, so a lot of times we're doing, this is for print and then this is for online and we treat them like two different things, but now we want stories that reach both. Uh, and so what that results in hopefully is better stories. Is this largely what you were doing in Galesburg? 
Did you have a similar position or no? Yes. Yeah. I, I was over uh, s- several papers in Galesburg. I was the editor of uh, the daily newspaper there, the Register Mail, uh, but also uh, for Gatehouse, and then it became Gannett. Um, I o- oversaw the region's newspapers, which um, t- toward the end it was five dailies and five weeklies. At mm-hmm. one point it was more like 18 Oh yeah, uh, that, papers all together. Oh my goodness, that's a load. How did you ever get into this shady business? <laughs> uh, maybe fear of math. Um, uh, I, I grew up uh, during the uh, Watergate scandal, and journalists seemed like uh, like heroes um, mm. in that day, and. Um, and I, I, I was not a, a fan of math, so I went toward words, and journalism seemed like a good fit. Um, however, uh, so I went to a community college, uh, actually in Galesburg, um, and then transferred to the University of Iowa, where I got my uh, degree in mass communications. Um, and then it was a few years later before I got my first journalism job, because I had planned to be a rock and roll star. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. You, I love the phrase, um, I went toward words. You know, that you just said it was very nice. Yeah. And then, I, you know, I, I kind of like, I like, uh, I like stats and, and I like figuring out uh, percentages of increase and all that stuff. I've kind of learned to jump on board with that. Uh, but. Yeah, some 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 of the math that I was faced with. And what was your first job? Um, my first job, like out of high school, or in, in, well, in in the newspaper business. Yeah. Oh, my first newspaper job was uh, at a weekly newspaper. Well, I, I was a stringer for the Quincy Herald Whig. I wrote a few stories there. I was paid by the inch, <laughs> uh, and then got a part time job at a weekly newspaper in Carthage, Illinois. Uh-huh. Hancock County Journal Pilot. And then from there on? Yeah, um, I was just there a couple of years, and the editor moved on to another newspaper, and I, I made my pitch. And at the time, I was still kind of more rock and roll than newspaper, so <laughs> I had long hair uh, halfway down my back, and uh, I pitched to the very conservative publisher, hey, I'm your guy. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He went for it, and oh, then uh, so then I've just kind of been in, in different places, but uh, quite quite a few years there, at least five or so in Carthage, then the daily newspaper in Macomb, then on to Princeton, and then Galesburg was where I spent okay. mo- most of my career. Yeah, in in uh, newspapers as in radio, and uh, now in TV, you really have to hop around, don't you? You mean in terms of of Jobs. Yeah. I mean, you don't just lock in that job and stay in one place. That's um, right. It, it's more difficult to do, and yeah, I think, uh, and I think, stepping up to that next level, stepping up to the next level, that requires moving mm-hmm. uh, and jumping to different places, and uh, so it's. I guess it's a work-life balance, and you have to decide. And I, at some point in Galesburg, just decided, hey, my family likes it here, and. Uh, so I wasn't planning to move on, mm-hmm. um, but uh, the, the the paper there was dwindling, getting smaller, and I needed to 
I needed a newsroom that I could uh, really work with. So, well, you know, that's kind of a general problem, isn't it? Yeah, newspapers are dwindling. Yes, right, right. So when you're committed and love the word and have de- dedicated not only your education but a couple of decades to the work, do you? How do you do? You worry about it. Do you worry that it's going to get paved no. over with other things, or do you feel like you can be a force to make sure it uh, yeah. persists? My concern um, with newspapers is is that we lose our relevancy. Uh, that's mm-hmm. really the number one thing uh, because we're. Uh, we have so many things to compete with yeah. in the world for somebody's attention. And uh, traditionally, we didn't have to be that interesting because we were about the only game in town uh, mm-hmm. other than radio and, uh, yeah. and then TV. Uh, but uh, people could really focus on uh, the big big print product that we'd put out. But, uh, but now it's different. We're competing with everything else mm-hmm. that there can be in hey, the world. And the speed that you have to move at. Right. Now. I mean, it's always been, you've always had to be on your toes, but right. now so, it's... So a, a, a news story uh, has to be something that people are interested in. It has to be interesting uh, on its own accord uh, so that anybody anywhere would be interested in reading it. It is written in a way that, that's interesting to, to anybody. Um, so it, it, it is more pressure. I like the challenge. I like... I like the digital component of it all. Yeah. Um, so it, it it makes things, uh, you can be more immediate. Uh, you can also fix things on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. You don't have to feel bad for a whole day before you can fix something in print. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, You know, the um, the thing that I find most disturbing is that the newspapers and journalism, in particular professional journalism, is being attacked as fake fake news. It's the real news because it's edited, it's researched, and so on. But in this day and age, people will pick up on any crazy idea, and you have to you have to operate in an area where people are constantly telling others that you're not reliable. That's got to be tough. It is. You know, I've really watched. Uh, the readership become more politicized. And so I, I feel like I'm kind of doing the same job that I've always done, you know, in different newsrooms. And we're doing the same kinds of stories in the same fashion. Uh, but my readership has really changed. And they look through a lens of their uh, politics a, a lot of the time, yeah. uh, whatever those politics are. And then they see us uh, differently. Uh, the same two people see a story that we do. Uh, sure. in, in different lights, depending on their uh, reference points. So th- that is a challenge. I, I wrote a little bit about it um, in a column last week. Um, just if you feel, I, I, I would tell our readers, if you feel like there's some bias in one of our local stories, by all means, give me a call and we'll address that. But in terms of uh, if you think AP is too far left or too far right, there's not much I can do with Associated Press. We, we depend on them for some of the national news, um, and, and that's not something that I can uh, mm-hmm. make a lot of change with. We depend on them for our national news. What we control is the local news. So we try to be fair with everything, yeah. uh, but 
Well, you know, we're in a bad position now where one of the ideas of objectivity is you report a story as you see it, and then somebody else has a contrary view, and then you report both, and it's like giving equal weight to the truth and the falsehood. And that becomes that kind of objectivity. You know, we balance by trying to show both sides, even if we know one side is patently false. How do you get away from that? I mean, that, that has to be one of the simplest ways of solving the problem of all the noise you get from people who complain. Okay, we'll, we'll carry them both. But well, that does not do the public a good service, does it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's, it's a good exercise to think about how many sides are to, there to this story um, and, and where's the truth coming from and are all sides represented in the story uh, that need to be represented in the story. And sometimes that opens up uh, a path to the story that we hadn't considered, um, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you, you you talked to, but but I know I know what you're uh, what you're saying is, is that you don't just take a topic and find two sides and give them equal weight. Um, that's uh, I don't think that that's necessarily a, a, a good strategy either. No, but it was a shortcut people were taking for a while. Yeah. And yeah. I, I notice when <clears throat> nowadays all newspapers, when they talk about the the uh, uh, the former president's claim that the election was stolen, they now also all say false claim, rather than than just deal with it without that that little adjective that identifies that this is clearly false, and. Uh, I would think that that would give you, just that would give you problems with some people who want to go with what they believe, not with what they know or what they think. Belief seems to have taken over almost everything. And you can believe in whatever you want, from QAnon to the Constitution. And it, it tends to color everything. How do, you, how do you plow a straight path? Through all this stuff, uh, it's it's difficult. I mean, I, I do think people have always sort of seen things the the way they believe them, uh, but what's really changed, I feel, is that they're getting uh, they're getting different stories on the same facts. Yeah, uh, they're getting spin uh, from from different sides, and then they've cho chosen a side, and that those are the facts. That's the spin that they want, uh, and they want to see that in their local newspaper, and that's. That's why I say we don't really, we're not focusing. I mean, we do have some national, uh, you know, we have uh, we have congressmen, uh, Congress people here uh, that we cover, but we're not covering the president uh, unless they campaign here, obviously. But uh, but we're just focusing on those local stories, and those tend to be a little less political. Although um, in recent years, I've seen the politics uh, fall down into school boards and. Sure. Yeah. City councils and village boards uh, in a way that I hadn't seen before. Uh, they all they used to seem uh, sort of not political, but uh, but you can find it anywhere now. And I, I think that that's part of uh, their hearing their media source, the one that 
uh, sort of backs what they believe uh, and that that's where they get their information. So we, you know, we're still trying to do the same old thing that we've always done, and that is to try to report local news and to try to do it fairly. And, and uh, yeah, well, that's that's a job. <laughs> well, yeah, the whole the whole the power of social media, I suppose, and all the voices and people with a sense of I've got a platform. I can say, you know, I'm going to get out there and and add my voice to it, which. In theory, seems um, a good thing to have a lot of voices, but I think that's what Don was saying yeah. earlier about then how do you manage the manage that? I guess you know the fact that anyone who wants to I, I teach creative writing and I'm kind of fascinated with the world of publishing there because when when I was younger, we had just our little community of who was writing. Um, students now, they're, they're online with anything they've written. They're getting responses back immediately from, you know, it, it didn't used to be like that. And they love it because they can find, um, I mean, and I'm impressed by a lot of that energy, but there's also a way that you think, really, do you want to be listening to total strangers who don't know anything about who you are and what you're, what you're, your own yeah. agenda and background is so Every, everybody everybody is their own publisher if yeah. they choose to be and so yeah. uh yeah. obviously not not all, all that information is vetted um right so it's yeah it's a big well you know as it is i i can recall times i've been writing columns for what 36 37 years something like that and occasionally i'll get an inflamed response from somebody and I'll think, did I say that? And I look at the column, where did they get that? Where did that come from? And uh, quite often people read things through a personal lens. Oh, yeah. And when that is a lens of resentment, boy, you know, it's, it's hard to convey exactly what you want in the, the way you want to do it. And it looks, looks to you just fine. But to somebody reading it, well, reading can be as creative as writing. Oh, yeah. And so you never know what you're going to deal with. And that's always been the, the phenomenon in literature classes. You know, everybody's reading the same book, and what the discussion is made up of afterwards, you'd think, no, we were reading really different books. And it, yeah. it, it is, you know, who you are and what you bring with you and what your life has taught you or shown you. What's the division of labor at the newspaper between print and uh, online? Do you have the same people doing both? Or? Well, in the newsroom, um, yeah, it's the same people doing both. So, you know, as I was speaking earlier, speaking earlier, we do um, uh, the, the stories that we write there are for both uh, print and online. Uh -huh. uh, and then we are try to be strategic about when... Uh, you know, if it's a breaking story or a really timely story or a competitive story, um, we try to get that uh, posted as soon as possible online and in the next day's print edition. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, what I'm really pushing the staff for is what we call enterprise stories, stories that uh, they find a lot of times they're going to be trend stories or a deeper story uh, beyond uh 
a reaction. Uh, a lot of our stories are reacting to whatever news mm-hmm. breaks. Yeah. Uh, so, but if you take a couple of steps back, you can start finding enterprise stories. And um, what I want them to do with enterprise stories is tell me what question the readers have that you're answering with that story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, like what's the most dangerous intersection in the quad cities might be mm-hmm. a, a question that a reader would have. Okay. We can, we know how to do that kind of a story. So let's, it's going to take some work yeah. and some statistics and uh, some cooperation. But so those are the kinds of stories that I, I want us to sort of be, think as a reader would think, because we're all readers. Um, and then try to, let's try to answer some of those bigger questions that they have. And so what we're used to doing is sort of covering institutions and every uh, every turn of the screw, okay, here's another story about mm-hmm. that particular thing of th- the city council did or uh, that school board did or county board. But how about investigative stories? Stories that uh, <clears throat> take a little digging. I can remember Alma Gall doing one on a bank that she worked on for... I don't know how long, forever. And she had a, an absolutely brilliant breakout story on it. But taking the time to do that kind of investigation uh, in today's crowded, well, it's not a crowded newsroom, but it's one where there's pressure on to get so much done immediately. Is there time? Is there I won't call it leisure, but is there enough time for a reporter to get into something deeply? Well, I mean, there's always that give and take. Um, I mean, throughout our lives, I think we have to uh, decide what's important and what's urgent and and choose one of those two, and they're often not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would say uh, those important stories, the the, uh, the enterprise stories, uh, watchdog type stories, investigative stories are, are very important. Um, and so what it means though, is fewer of those less important stories. Um, so the story count goes down, the story quality goes up and that's actually what I would like to see. I don't want to see the story count necessarily go down, but you can't have everything. So, um, I, I want the reporters to have the freedom and the, the time to be able to, to dig into the, the most important stories of the Quad Cities. One of the most familiar terms in journalism in the past is a reporter's beat. Do beats mm-hmm. still continue? Yeah, yeah but it's um, <laughs> they're really broad now. I, I really think... We have some sort of areas that we focus on for a reporter. Uh, but, you know, we do have an education reporter, for instance, that, that covers the uh, school issues. Um, but it's, you know, there was a time when there would be uh, a, a reporter for one school district or two school sure. districts, and yeah. now it's one for the area. So everything is just much, uh, there's just so much more to cover. Do you still use stringers? Yes. Yes. And, and Ama, who you mentioned, she just wrote a piece for us uh, yeah, about the Capitol the... Theater. Very, <clears throat> very well done. Um, yeah, it's, uh, but you know, the, that's one of the things that I found out about newspapers years ago. 
and particularly weekly newspapers that covered a rural area, they'd have stringers almost everywhere that send in a story, whether they were paid or if they were paid much at all, I don't know. But that was the system that enabled a paper to function with only a handful of people in the main office. You had stringers everywhere. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> for your stringers, do you have professional writers or do you have people that are out in districts covering covering little stories you might not otherwise see? Well, I, they're all professional writers because they get paid for what they do. Uh, so mm-hmm. we don't have unpaid stringers, um, as some, sometimes you will find out a weekly. So, so they're all professionals, um, and uh, they they kind of pitch pitch stories to us, and um, yeah, we use quite a few of them. What are your What are your feelings about the future of the newspaper? <laughs> Newspapers in general, or well, newspapers in general, or right now you are publishing. Essentially, one newspaper with two different titles, <laughs> Quadsay Times and the Dispatch Argus. Yeah. Uh, do you ever see a time when there'll be one title for that paper? Uh, yeah, I. that's not a decision I can make. Um, but I think, yes, going forward at some point, um, it, it's likely that there would be one. The pr- problem is we're so parochial in the Quad Cities. Yes. So the newsroom, the newsroom is one newsroom. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and that's a. Uh, but you know, you, you have to be aware of that too. The fact of it is a very parochial community made up of many different cities mm-hmm. and villages and so on, and everybody wants attention paid to them. To them. Yeah. And, uh, well, just the division between Illinois and Iowa, right. that alone is is really formidable to be able to cover all that. Is the telephone the main instrument in the newsroom? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it always has been uh, a, a main instrument, I think, uh, for us for, for a lot of information. But um, but we've we really, the reporters... Uh, they do work in the office, uh, but they get out of the office quite often and uh, and do uh, in-person interviews when they can. Uh, they cover uh, meetings and events, and so they're they're still getting out. It just we just can't cover things the way we used to cover them, yeah. and you know what we're seeing from uh, analytics from digital stories is m- maybe we weren't all that good back in the day. We yeah. had a billion stories, but were they good stories? So we can't afford that luxury anymore. Um, I think I liken it to uh, there's a tornado coming and you get in the basement with your with the things you have to have. Yeah. That's how we have to do news now. We have to figure out what are the really important stories and let's get those stories because that's, you know, we don't, we can't cover everything everywhere anymore that's not who we are and uh, the business model doesn't support what we used to be so well you know we're just about out of time here but uh, do you still have uh, daily meetings where people all come together and discuss what's going to be in the paper yes yes we have a we have a morning session where we kind of talk about uh, ongoing stories and then once a week we do have a story for uh 
bigger uh, a meeting for bigger about bigger stories and uh, things that are planned and and the, those are when we talk about uh, more of the enterprise type stories. Well, Tom, I wish you nothing but success. <laughs> I am a dedicated newspaper reader, yeah. have been since the sixth, first grade. First grade. And uh, so good luck to Tom Martin. Our and and thank you for yes. your column. Don. Oh, well, I have to do something. <laughs> right now I just start the theme. Uh, Tom Martin, the new executive editor of the Quad City Times and Dispatch Argus, has been our guest today. I'm Don Wooten with Rebecca Wee. We'll be back next week, and we hope you will, too.